Welcome to the Blackout Show, presented by the Guillen Grader, a show about the Chicago White Sox baseball, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll debate what's working and what's not on the south side of Chicago. It's old school versus new school baseball. And most importantly, we're keeping all the receipts. Cheers, boys. It's very good to be back on What's the Black up, Big Dog. Show. Welcome back. Oh, I missed you guys so much. The group chat was uh, it was lit while I was gone. Um, oh, I'm so glad that my hiatus is over. We're back on the Blackout Show. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, I have some yeah. things to get off my chest. Do you guys mind if I get some things off my chest? The floor is yours, Big Dog. Ooh. All right. So I've been I've been racking my brain, talking to everybody I can think of about what the freak is wrong with the White Sox. And I, I've come to the conclusion that Rick Hahn spent way too much time buying into everything that happened in 2020 in that 60-game season, and it's just been a snowball effect from there. And this year, Rick Hahn has run out of, to quote Gonzo, escape goats. There are no more escape goats uh, for Rick Hahn. So in 20, they get to the playoffs – First of all, they clinched a spot very early in that shortened season. And then the Indians at the time blew them out of the water in that last week of the season and exposed the White Sox. They get exposed in game three against Oakland. Rick Hahn says, tinker with that. Go grab Lance Lynn. Go do this. Let's upgrade the bullpen, thinking that they were much closer than they realistically were. Rick Renteria became the scapegoat. 21, here comes Tony La Russa. All the injuries, all this, they win a division, but they get exposed by every team above 500 that year. Tony LaRusa becomes the scapegoat. Same thing with 22. There are no more excuses now for Rick Hahn. The White Sox have basically fundamentally fucked this up by buying in too much into what happened in a shortened 60-game season. Jose Abreu won the MVP. That's all you really need to know about how much that really mattered, grand scheme of things. How many times do we hear Ozzy Jr. talking on this show about, oh, 2020, we don't even count that. That, doesn't, that shouldn't even count. Well, it seems like Rick Hahn and the White Sox have based this entire figment of their imagination that they are a World Series contending team, that they have that type of roster on the fact that they went 35 and 25 or whatever it was in 2020 and then lost in a wild card series in three games to the Oakland Athletics. The White Sox are a mess right now. This is such a disaster of an organization from top down. And if there is some retooling or rebuilding or whatever, 
Rick Hahn and company don't deserve to be here to do it. You know, this is a lame duck situation. You don't, you don't let Ryan Pace take over the bear, uh, the bears and rebuild for a second time. You have to get some sort of new regime in if they don't turn this around this season, which is very, very unlikely when you struggle to beat teams like the Royals and you haven't given out a hundred million dollar contract like the Royals and athletics also have not. This team plays stupid baseball. They are not fundamentally sound. They don't really have a great culture in the clubhouse, despite what everybody says in the media, despite what Pedro Grifol says. They don't act like they like each other because it doesn't seem like they really do like each other. This team was built on talent and potential, not production and baseball. This is a roster comprised of dudes who look good on Instagram and look good on paper, don't play good on the field, and don't make smart baseball plays. I know you guys touched on it last week, but like the whole Luis Roberts situation and him not knowing his bench coach's name or not telling people that he's not feeling 100% in that game against the Rays where he grounds out and just kind of breaks it down before where he should have been safe. Thank God he's gone on a tear since because he would be public enemy number one, two, three, four, seven, 12, and 15 if he wasn't absolutely raking right now. The Sox are up 4-2 in the ninth against the Royals as we tape this. Um, Just like, what is what the hell is happening with this team? It is so frustrating. And I I just don't have faith. They've given no one any reason to feel like they can turn this around this season. That's my spiel. Rick Hahn, and I'm pissing myself. I was in the dugout covering the trade deadline last year and had an opportunity to ask Rick Hahn, did you buy in too much into what happened in 2020 when you started to build this roster? The money will be spent, blah, blah, blah. Okay, they spent it, but they spent it on bad bullpen um, and they've spent it on bad major leaguers. At the time, we all thought Rick Hahn was a genius and, you know, OJ is not here to, to yell at us for using the term genius, but we thought Rick Hahn was a genius when he gave you on Moncada, his contract, when he gained Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez, their contracts, yeah. Tim Anderson, to me is still an incredible contract. And I know you guys have touched on that at length too, that he deserves way more money than he's made. And I don't think it's the white Sox that are going to give him that contract that he has absolutely earned so far. Um, that's my rant. That's my, uh, I've been simmering on this for a while. I just think the White Sox spent too much energy buying into what they were selling in 2020, and it's turned out to be false hope. Yeah, I mean, think about this, Slob. Uh, First of all, welcome back. Good to have you. Thanks, buddy. Um, It's easier for me to ask Luis Robert to give me 200 viral TikToks than for me to ask him to give me 200 hits a season. Think or how about that. ask him for his bench coach's name? Just just the simple stuff. This this roster, this team is cosmetic. And you, you said it from the open. It was built off of projections and the hope of building off of a flawed roster in 2020. Now we see the absolute truth. Like, if any of these guys are missing out of the lineup, we lose. If we get down by three runs, we lose. So there is no end in sight. All the all the, the most of the problems are financially compensated and on our books. So I mean, if we if we get into a situation to where we got to dismantle the team, how can you 
in good faith ask Rick Hahn to put the pieces back together. Not you can't. You can't. You can't. Gonzo, you alive? <laughs> I feel like at some point we just have. He looks talk. angry, doesn't he? Like right? he's 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 got that like I'm so mad I'm shaking like this right now thing going. Like he in a Mortal Kombat lobby or something. <laughs> Choose your play. Like, I want to believe, but every ounce of me is like Slav. Like I can't have this hope because I just know what the outcome is going to be because I have no faith in who's leading the charge, who's making, who's constructing this roster. And who's likely going to reconstruct it because he's probably going to be given the chance to do so because Jerry doesn't have the balls to get rid of him because of his loyalty. Um, so I feel like as our show, our network, we should go forward hypothetically reconstructing it as if he's not here, even though he probably will be. But from now going forward, we're going to put our name to it. And then going forward, we're going to say this is what we would do if we were in his shoes, if we were actually hired by Jerry in that front office to do something about it. That's what I feel like we should go forward, have our own construction and maybe they'll listen to us and maybe they'll do some of it, but, uh, for not, you know, no, they won't. <laughs> when's the last time again. here, honest question. When's the last time mm -hmm. either of you as fans really, really wanted something to happen? Like there was a player that you really wanted them to go get trade for sign, whatever. And they actually came through or a draft pick that you were like, we got to have this guy. Who's the last one? Honestly, though, this offseason, Benintendi was second on my list I'm for left fielders. To say this. <laughs> oh, God. I'm embarrassed. Melky Cabrera. But like, Jesus last Christ, Jay. That was, that was the last free agent we've had that made me happy. Like, oh, yeah, we got Melky Cabrera. Let's go. Now, I talk about Nick Swisher all the time. But when we signed Melky Cabrera, I was like, oh, yeah, 95 games. Oh, you're going to give me David Robinson, too? Bad. No. So you didn't, you didn't like Grundahl? Not really. Any particular reason why? I mean, he was uh, obviously the best catcher available. Yeah, but the thing about it was it's winning time. And when the Dodgers sat him down for the world in the World Series, that was an eye-opener for me. Why is a vet veteran catcher getting benched in the playoffs? Why? I mean, the, the, that's a good point. The fact that, like, the, all right, so yeah. Juan Diego said Albert Bell. Uh, Gabe says Jim Tomey. Like, that was... Okay, Tommy was 17 years ago. Albert Bell was 25 years ago. Like, this come on. I mean, I miss James McCann. I mean, yeah. what has he done since he left the White Sox? He's let's be honest. 30 in Baltimore. I mean, that, let's be honest. That was a uh, the 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 Sox got the best year of James McCann's career by a mile. Obviously, you can't really blame him on that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, guys. Like, I just I don't really have any faith in this front office. And if if Andrew Benatendi is your all time biggest contract handed out, I was talking. To, I was actually talking to Pods about this earlier today. I think John Danks is still the largest contract ever handed to a pitcher in White Sox history. Am I wrong on that? Is that more that's than sick. sale? Um, that's a good question. We're gonna have to look that up. But either way, it's sad. It, it's sad that we're like, we keep missing out as fans on these guys that we know would help the team. I mean, I don't want to go man. back because I did say like, I did like the Benintendi move because I wanted a better, you know, glove out there and a guy that well, you said he was number two on base. your list. Who was number right. one? 
I'd have to go back at that, that list. I just remember him, him being two. Um, but yeah, like I liked him as a depth piece for building around your core, but like ultimately like me and Jay wanted, we need a bigger bet. Like I like Simeon when he hit the market, what was that two years ago? I'll never but forgive. Like, I'll never forgive. We want big money being spent and never to go along with your saying Slav, It'd be nice, you know, this off season, if you put big money, you start giving that money to Tim and cease, get these guys on the, on the books. So you can start building around them going forward. Cause you're going to have cap flexibility in 24. You, you just have to utilize it wisely and start building wisely. What, what, what think about but, this Gonzo? I, I, yeah. Not to cut you off, just, let's just take Benny, for example, right? Mm. Andrew Benintendi is the highest paid player in franchise history who's not even being used proper, properly by the organization. You didn't sign Benintendi to bat him third or lead off. That's the biggest failure within because you got a good you got a good bargain in Benintendi and you failed in putting him in the best position to succeed. If you if you get Benintendi, you know you have a, a hurt outfield. Why are you not going to accompany that with the with the Adam Duvall signing? Why aren't you going to go out and see what you could do to get a guy like Jorge Soler? I mean, those guys aren't like sure things eat. Like I don't know what Jorge uh, Soler has done. Like Duvall he hit like... thirty bombs this year, and du- and Duvall was the best player in Red Sox history before he broke his wrist. <laughs> I mean. Like, so look, I mean, Ben Attendee was a good fit. The It's not his fault. Like, you can't hold it against him that the rest of the team has no pop whatsoever. Yeah, that's true, it, too. But, it's not his fault. But come on, like, I'm not blaming Ben Attendee on none of this because, I mean, at the end of the day, he's going to hit two, 280 to 300. He's going to give you whatever in the slugging category. His job is to keep the line moving. The problem is the rest of the line ain't there. So now he has to play cleanup guy. Now he has to be a run producer. That's not that's not his job. He was never that guy in any uniform. Even with the Red Sox, they were hiding him in the lineup. Sometimes two, mostly six and seven in that lineup. Even with the Yankees, they're hiding him in the lineup. The Royals are the only team to give Andrew Benintendi that much run as a guy hitting towards the top of the order. That's why his but- power was down. It's not his fault. Yeah. But to your point, like Rick Hahn and, you know, and I guess now Griffol, like, yeah, they're using him incorrectly, but it, I, there's not a ton of great options. By the way, the White Sox just won uh, four to two against the Royals. Yeah. What a huge, huge win. Yeah. They are now six and a half games back. Um, yeah. Anywho, uh, welcome to the Blackout Show. I'm Slav Kobekovich. I'm back like Cook Crack. Yep. Uh, Jay is still um, incestual, and Gonzo is still whispering into his headset. Some things never change. Uh, boys, it's really good to be back. Um, yeah, let's get into let's get into now that the White Sox have won tonight. Let's get into some some interesting things with the pitching staff, and uh, specifically with Griffol's grounds. I got it. I got it, Jay. I got it, Jay. You ready? You ready? I've been waiting. I've been waiting to play this music. Ready? Do 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 do. You know, I don't have a problem making decisions. I don't have a problem making a call on a 
you know, on a, on a pitcher. I don't have a problem making a call on, on you know, on whatever our team needs at this particular moment. Lucas Giolito gets the win tonight against the Royals, improving to two and two. Uh, he's got a three five nine ERA. He's been probably the most consistent starter on the White Sox this year, which is crazy to think of considering what happened last year. Uh, Jay, you you have some thoughts on Giolito and um, and how he pertains and maybe has uh, earned the confidence of the skipper. Oh man, I was telling you guys earlier, like he's been the, he's been the guy in the rotation. He's been the best pitcher in our rotation. And I want to give, uh, you know, some credit to Grafal because if you look at the last couple of weeks, he's let Giolito pitch in and out of some situations. He didn't baby him. He gave him an opportunity to get out of his own jams, and Giolito rewarded him with clean frames for his bullpen. Uh, tonight, the stuff was absolutely fucking disgusting, boys. I'm talking about he made my boy Bobby Witt look absolutely childish with a couple of sliders. Uh, I know Pascantino got a little bloop single on him but for the most part <laughs> was absolutely absolutely was outstanding tonight for so those i gotta tip my cap to him for those that 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 went over their head it's because pasquantino pasquantino hit one about 600 feet to right field in the first inning on a hanging slider yeah. uh giolito six innings nine strikeouts uh five hits two earned runs two walks he did give up the, the homer but he settled it nicely and and Jay, uh, to your point, like you know, got pitched out of a big jam in the sixth inning. Yeah, like I, I, I was, I was on the phone for to the bullpen for Grafal. Like, yo, get somebody warm. I don't give a damn who it is. Left-handed, right-handed, get somebody up now. And then Giolito just uh, casually gets out the inning. I had to hang the fucking phone up and look like a goofy. So, do you think it's because? Pedro Grifol now trusts Giolito a little bit more, or is it his lack of trust in those schmucks in the bullpen that you were on the phone with that probably I, wouldn't have get it, gotten it done? I don't think he trusts the bullpen now. You just let Deakman go, so that that was that was Grifol's boy right there. He was going he's going to Deakman every damn day. Him and Lambert Deakman, getting a, a hundred and fifty appearances this year. Exactly, they're gonna lead the league together. And now you're in a four-game set with Kansas City. They're putting a lot of traffic on the bases. That's not a good recipe for your bullpen. Inherited runners is not good for our bullpen. So Pedro did a little bit, uh, some decent uh, MLB to show managing, letting Giolito stay in there and staying away from that. But, I I mean, yeah, I agree 100%. I'm not going to tax my bullpen and put them in a situation where they, they're not going to succeed. Because let's just say, you know, perfect example, you bring in Aaron Bummer, with one out with the bases loaded with some meat on the bone. Nobody feels the, good about that. Nobody feels I, good about that. I'm actually on the other side of you, Jay. I think wow. he's actually trusting Giolito right now because last, what, five starts? In Minnesota, he went seven innings. Tampa Bay, six and two-thirds. Another start for Tampa Bay, seven innings. Mm -hmm. Philadelphia, six innings. Minnesota, six innings. The guy's eating up innings. He's starting to trust him. And uh, he's actually the best pitcher, like you said previously on, in our rotation. I think I just think he's starting to believe in him, and doesn't really need to go his bullpen as adequately as he would with the other the other guys right now that are struggling to get to the sixth inning. And that's my favorite guy, and Cease included. And um, yeah, I mean, Nine, actually Nightingale just said, you know reported earlier in the week that uh, they don't plan on bringing him back. So this is uh, 
you know, Giolito's time to prove himself. Nightingale said I was getting Harper a few years ago. <laughs> Nightingale yeah, was the only one that said that Tony LaRusso was coming to the White Sox. That's true. Oh, yeah. So in my books, he's even. So uh, <laughs> he betting five hundred in is, your book. He's, bet, he's betting five hundred. Well, let me put it this way: take. I think there's a lot of people that can probably back up Bob Nightingale's report, though. Yeah. So if that's true, Giolito is performing for his next contract as he's in a contract season. And I hope he does the best because the better he does, the better Sox will do ultimately. Because um, we need someone eating these innings up, especially when Liam Hendricks and Garrett Crochet haven't been back yet, but they're coming soon. So we need a guy like him, that veteran that's just eating innings. I thought it'd be Lynn doing that, but if Kopech, or not Kopech. If Giolito's doing it, you know, all the better to him. Um, we need him. To their credit, the bullpen, three clean, perfect innings. Uh, Joe Kelly, three up, three down with a strikeout. Reynaldo Lopez, three up, three down with a strikeout. Kendall Graveman gets his first save, three up, three down. Um, granted, it's the Royals and they suck ass, but you got to start somewhere. Um, Giolito and Gonzo, to your point, you know, you're, he's playing for his next contract. He might be playing for his second half opponent. And if the White Sox are smart uh, and they're actually managing assets like they should be in the front office, if you know you are not bringing him back, no matter what, and you let him walk for nothing, I mean, you've got to trade him at the deadline. You, you have to get something quality in return for him, especially if he continues to pitch like this. He's, he's giving you innings. Yeah. And, and it's not just like he's just Sidney Ponson out there, six innings, eight earned runs. He's giving you a quality start after quality start after quality start. Uh, one of the, one of the uh, sensitivities of the bullpen is there's no hierarchy. There's no clean, uh, legit closer. There's no setup, man. So when you're going a whole month playing Scrabble with the bullpen, it's hard. Everybody carving a new role on a brand, uh, not a brand new team, but a brand new regime. It's a lot of moving parts for the manager, the pitchers included. I think what Giolito has been doing the last, uh, let's see, three or four starts is giving a little bit of stability to the pitching staff as a whole. Something that Dylan, Lance, Kopech, and even now the wheels are falling off of my boy Big Mike Clevenger. So Giolito is looking like the South Side savior right now. It's much needed, and it's much needed. It's amplified because of Dylan Cease's struggles. Jay, uh, before we bring in our, our guest, Juan Diego, who's waiting patiently with us, um, Dylan Cease has really struggled since that opening start against Houston, um, falling behind, really making mistakes. And when he makes mistakes, they've been getting hit, uh, hit hard. It's very uncharacteristic because we saw literally an entire season go by last year where he had, I think, like one or two real clunkers. And now he's kind of had a few in a row. Are you guys concerned, uh, starting with you, Jay, about Cease big picture? Uh, not necessarily because the velocity and the stuff is still there. I just think he's ha making some terrible decision with uh, pitch choice. Because okay. if you let, let's go back to the trop, where I don't think he really pitched as bad as the line did. I think he made a lot of mistakes with pitch selection to the wrong guys because. There's some lineups to where you could there's there's guys you could pitch around. You could throw balls out of the zone and get them to chase. The Rays aren't those hitters. They reel you in, and they have a lot of active bats to where any misplaced fastballs or sliders that get too much of the plate, 
they're going to get punished. Yep. And sometimes you 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 don't have to get bludgeoned with doubles and home runs. Somebody could six and seven single you to death. I just think well, that Dylan Cease is just being a little bit uh, too picky in the pitch selection. I mean, I think the the biggest gripe that I've always had with him is like he, the the nibbling when he he gets into two strike counts. And I understand like he's a strikeout pitcher; he's trying to avoid contact. To me, like he'll take the next step as a true ace perennial Cy Young candidate when he's more efficient. Obviously, when the walks come down, but when he kind of when he goes like the Verlander route, like Justin Verlander was 99 in the first inning when he was a younger pitcher and then he developed and became a smarter pitcher through more strikes, kind of held the gas for the second, third time through the order. And he was sitting 93 to 95 early. And then when he needed it, you know, he really turned it up later. I think that's the, the development curve that we need to see with cease. He's in a position right now where if he's falling behind and counts that, all his pitches are kind of put away pitches. So if you're not putting people away because you're behind in the count, they can either lay off or they can just sit and wait on one location, one pitch and one, one spot. And that's, and that's really what's, what's getting him into trouble. Um, Gonzo, I know you, you have some thoughts on cease too. It's um, is it along the same lines as Jay, where it's the pitch selection All right, muted again. Un- God damn, we're gonna Gonzo. unmute Gonzo. What are you doing for the for the culture? I'm, I'm pissing everybody. I'm gonna off. mute him again yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like what the thing is, Slav, is like what you're saying though. It's like a ultimate mute. Ah, I gotcha. <laughs> okay, you're back. The ultimate tease was in that first start of the season. He made it to that seventh frame, didn't walk anyone, struck out ten. His pitch efficiency. He ended at he ended at 86 pitches. You know didn't start there in the, in the seventh, but that's the efficiency you want in the pitch count. And like, I didn't expect to see that the first start of his this year. And that's what I was like, Oh shit. Like he's on that level right now where he's, you know, he's not walking a shit ton of people and you know, he's limiting his pitch count per inning. And like, I was like, Holy shit. Like for him to start that on the first start this season, I thought like, no doubt Cy Young, let's go for this year. But what worries me, uh, which what you brought up, Slavko, for me, yes, it is pitch selection. I'll get that in a second here. But, like, I was more worried about that start at home versus Tampa and this previous start um, versus Kansas City. Those two starts I was had me really worried. But, like, those first four starts of the season, he looked solid, and then, he had that stretch there in that first game versus Tampa where he just started seeing not, not really himself, but like what I'm getting to is that first time through the lineup, especially in uh, at home in that start versus Minnesota and then in, in the Kansas City start as well, he goes through that first round of the lineup breezing. And then when he gets to that second, you know, part of the lineup, I feel like Katz isn't really changing anything in the mix and they're just, it's becoming predictable. Like I feel like some of these staffs around the league know like what the Sox are going to stick, stick to and they're not making any adjustments and it's leaving Cease out to dry because like in these starts, he's relying on that slider. So if he's not getting that slider to break how he wants it to, and he's just, 
ultimately he's leaving it in the zone hey. and guys can lay off of it and just start pounding the fastball because they know it's coming. And That's a good fucking point. ultimately, like if I'm Cease, I'm going back to that first start and I'm realizing, hey, I had a 45% whiff rate on my knuckle curve. If I'm getting ahead of these guys with my fastball early in the counts, I'm going I'm to start utilizing my knuckle curve because it's not just that first start. He's been throwing that with that movement break on it ever since then. He just hasn't been utilizing it as much. So I would start bringing that into the mix instead of the slider, and then I will diddy daddle with the slider until I get my grip on it. My grip on it, which remind you, he didn't have that slider grip that he found until the end of May last year versus the Cubs, and that's when the weather's starting to come warm, so he gets that more break on that slider. So for me, I would, if I was seized, I would, you know, focus more on that knuckle curve with my fastball, and then you know, get around to my slider that I'm more comfortable with, like in a couple of starts from now going into June. Um, but if you really want to get nasty and you're really, you know, Ooh, let's nasty. Nasty. Ooh, get if you're, if you're let's really, dilly, let's dilly daddle. If you really get nasty, you're getting headed with the fastball and you got the knuckle curve going. That's when like, if he can get command of that change up that we saw on Instagram that over the off season, that's that third pitch. That's going to be like, Oh shit. Like guys that's can't be just, the equalizer. It's the same slot with that fastball of his, so they're not going to be reading it if he starts controlling that changeup. But the biggest question is that changeup because we haven't really seen control of that either this year with that slider. So, um, I mean, look, I I feel like a slider for him is muscle memory, but it's going to start coming when that weather's getting warmer, so he'll get more Mm -hmm. control on that break. So, again, like to what you're saying, Slavko, I'm not really worried about him. I'm just worried about his mindset because really – that mindset controls the rest because, like, when he's in that game and he's out of it, you can, you can read his face kind of like Giolito. You can read his face, too. Like, when he's out of it, you know, he's starting to overthink it. And when you start to overthink it, that's when your off-speed becomes more vulnerable. So that's my Cease is one of those breakdown cerebral, of Cease. He's one of those cerebral dudes where um, everything is a thought process. There's no decision that's not made even pitch to pitch, batter to batter, inning by inning, there's nothing that's not made with some sort of context in mind or some goal or plan. Um, and Giolito's the same way. Giolito, his body language, I think, is easier to read. Like, you know, when he's either on or he's not. You know, when Giolito's locked in, when he's got that little, he'll give you the little arm shake and he's kind of fidgety on the mound. You know, he's locked in. Cease is generally very, very uh, even keel on the mound. But when you start to see some of that kind of um, him getting flustered, to me, that's a concern because he's the type of person who's very cerebral and really um, thinks things through. He's not a thrower anymore, I don't think. He's learned enough about himself and pitched enough in the majors to become or at least have the tendencies to be a pitcher. Yeah, and people people uh, get caught up with Cease's stuff and thinking he is a flamethrower. I, I was talking to my cousin the other day. I was like, Dylan Cease is not like a, a blue uh, – I'm going to nerd out real quick. Dylan Cease is not like a, a blue-eyes white dragon or a Charizard. He's a very cerebral like kind of pitcher. He's a dark magician, a tactician, where there's a lot of stuff that has to go right. He has a feel. He has to have command, and he has to get some calls because – uh, we alluded to it earlier. He's been nibbling. Gonzo, I want to isolate one at bat for Dylan Cease this year that has brought me concern. 
and it was when me, you, and Ray was at the game, and it was in the middle of Tampa putting together a big frame, and he had, I think it was second and third with two outs and Wander Franco at the plate, and Wander Franco was fouling off 96 mile per hour off his knuckle consistently. I'm pretty sure it was probably a 10 to 12 pitch uh, at bat. From We were sitting 300 level, and you could see on Cease's face, like the mental fatigue was there. Get this guy out of the box. Get me into this dugout right now before I press this big red button. Now, this is the same Dylan Cease we seen last year on a Thursday day game at the rate against the Dodgers, where he gave up like, I think, six six earned runs because uh, of a couple errors and stuff like that. Fast forward a little bit further, you see the same Dylan Cease flustered against the New York Yankees, but he gave up the six runs, but he also struck out 10. So now we get to a conversation where if Dylan Cease is pissed off, can that maybe elevate his performance to where he goes into overdrive, or is he going to shrink and be a little bit more reserved to try not to get hurt? When, when I was looking at, when I was watching him pitch to Wander Franco, he, his fastball was not exploding out of his hand. He was throwing it just to get it to the plate. He didn't want to throw a slider, and he could, it was cold, and he didn't have the feeling for the knuckle curve. So he was frustrated with that, too. So he just started pouring 94-mile-per-hour fastballs to the best hitter on the team. That is bad practice right there. Very bad practice. I think there's certain guys who can channel that anger and frustration – and I think because of how he is wired, he needs to be very kind of clear minded for every pitch to execute. And I think in those moments, like to his credit, you you, you haven't seen it a ton the last couple of years because he's been generally very good. You don't see those moments where he's frustrated and he's overthrowing. How many times have you seen a guy reach back? I think Kopech still does it quite a bit. You know, he really wants an extra mile or two on the fastball. He reaches back it's two and a half feet high out of the zone and it only comes out at 95. He has that ability to, when he's clear and kind of in control, his mechanics, he's so good and so kind of natural on the mound that he can pop 98, 99 uh, with ease. And I think that's a great point, Jay, that um, in those moments when you're flustered, what separates the great pitcher from the very good pitcher? Because it's going to happen in the playoffs. It's going to happen down yeah. the stretch in September, October. Um, to overcome those hurdles and still execute and and not get out of whack, I think that's that's what separates the the elite from the very good. If I'm a hitter right now, I would much rather face a pissed off Dylan Cease than a pissed off Max Scherzer. One hundred percent. Because I can, if Dylan Cease is pissed off, he'll just give in to me and give me what I want. Max Scherzer pissed off is no. I don't care if I you got you no a 3-0 count. You, you still don't have a chance. You're up 3-0 in the count, and you still have no chance against me. I don't think uh, Dylan Cease bring that to the mound every every start or every time he's in that situation. Uh, Jorge Soler just hit a home run. He has five RBIs tonight. 468-foot bomb. Um, all right. Well, you know who I want to face because I don't want to talk to you guys anymore. I want to bring in our guests. It's time for the Blackout Live. One of our loyalists, one of our most loyal, like ride or die day ones, the OGs. This is Blackout Live. <laughs>
it's time to bring in our Venezuelan brother, our our man. Cheers to you, Juan Diego Montenegro. Thank you for joining us, man. How are you? Well, good. How are you doing, guys? Good night. At least it's in a night that we won. <laughs> About <Yeah>. time. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he hasn't been many this year, so. So what do you think? We, we've touched on Giolito and Cease so far. Gio going in one direction, Cease in the other direction. What do you make of those two so far? Um, first on Cease, I mean, what Gonzo says that you have to wait until the summer so the slider can uh, have a better grip and uh, a slide as supposed to be. You cannot have a pitcher just for June and beyond. If you have, if you want to be a ace, you have to be ace from day one to last day. Amen. So, like, I mean, so today you can see Webb and Valdez and go up to the seven, eight inning. Webb had seven seven hits and seven strikeouts, and he still didn't have a hundred pitchers, a hundred pitch in the seven inning. How their efficiency? You have nine guys behind you; they can grab the ball. So you cannot be like that. Cease and Kopech, they be a hundred innings just to keep into five, just to qualify for a win. So if you want to be an ace and you want to get that money, because that's in the horizon of every guy over there, you have to be an ace all the way. And for Yolito, also I think the the money thing is also playing. And as you said, the the Wiser should uh, do asset control. Probably they're getting longer so they can show to the other teams. If Nightlane is the report is good because he's a friend with Jerry and he already leaked out that they're gonna chop around, then you can put it out there, show it that he's very good, and you can get as many assets as you can. Still, I don't trust that we can get the right assets with these <laughs> with these guys, but probably that can be a plan. Because, I mean, as you said, uh, the good part that we're seven, seven games behind, seven and a half games behind. Yeah, but we are uh, nine and, I don't know, 10 and, and 20 something lost games. So we are a, mid, a bad team. We cannot win and go through Kansas City as a big team and go through them and that's it. We lost yesterday. We gave, I don't know, 10 runs in an inning. And today it was a tie game. With Jordan lies on the hill, yeah. So, and yesterday was uh, Granky, two guys that have been forever. You know what they pitch, you know what they had, and you still cannot th- uh, put some rounds on the board. Also, yesterday I saw I told Gonzo, the 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 umpire was giving the high song to Granky. Why didn't we went to the up upstairs part of the plate? Run some fight wall at 96, 95, whatever you got, and see if they, they get cold because they are getting to the other side. And I, I cannot, I mean, there were so many hits yesterday, hard hits, two out hits. We can, I, I cannot understand that this coaching staff six months ago was in the other side. How we don't have a better plan to this team Man. that is in last place. They only have won three games at home. How? You know all those guys from babies because they have so many kids they've been around. I, I don't understand. So for me, it's the same team. Probably even getting worse. It's the same fundamental errors, the same inefficiency for the starting pitcher, 
the same cannot score runs with, I mean, the Minnesota game. We had the fastest player in the game twice, a third, a third base with zero outs and one out. Twice. The guy that was on the mind of these guys, because the, 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 before, the two days before, both games we won it because Hamilton speed. So how can you not bring those guys out? Uh, these guys don't understand that you can bond the ball. They say, <laughs> you had Anderson. Anderson cannot squeeze a play, cannot bond a ball. I mean, I understand if you have cheats and still you have to try it because the other way around, you are not successful. There are many, many, many data that you are bad doing that. And in that, just in that particular game, we did it like two innings in a row, three innings in a row, and we lost. So, I mean, uh, there's so many yeah. things bad in this team. Juan Diego, I just want to go back to what you said about uh, Logan Webb. Uh, I was watching a little bit of that game, and you, we know Logan Webb is a sinker baller, likes to pitch low in the zone. The Nationals got their leadoff guy on five straight innings and refused to score a run. Yeah. It was an outstanding job by Logan Webb because he didn't have his best stuff today but he stuck to his plan. He was prepared and he was in his pitching coach and the giants did an outstanding job, making sure he got through seven clean innings today, because by all means, he was supposed to give up six runs today with as many hits as, as, as the Nats put up in a short amount of time. That was really good pitching. We were just talking about Dylan Cease, another pitcher who aren't getting out of those type of jams these days. Like if somebody, if, if, if there's some traffic on the bases against Dylan Cease, there's some crooked numbers being put up. I, I mean, I agree with you wholeheartedly in the, in the sense of we're 13 to 14 games under 500. Why aren't you bunting guys over to get a win? That, that Minnesota game, the extra inning Sunday game, pissed me off because all you had to do was play baseball. That game never should have got to the 10th inning. And never. Then it never should have got to the 11th inning oh. and it never should have gotten to the 12th inning. That was embarrassing. That was, that's a stupid team for lack of a better word. Like, I'm sorry. Like there's no productive outs. The fact that you have a guy on second with nobody out and you cannot get him home, arguably one of the fastest players in baseball, you cannot get home from third with less than two outs. I mean, I'll give Carlos Correa credit. He made a couple nice stabs on some hard-hit ground balls with the infield in. But where is your approach? Why are you not trying to hit that to the right side? Why are you rolling over on a ground ball to the left side of the infield regardless of that? The fact that you can't get a fly ball deep enough to score Billy Hamilton from third base. I mean, these are these are tiny things, and I hate to like harp on the 05 White Sox, but those are things that they did very well. That's one of those games where I feel like maybe you miss a guy like Jose Abreu because he's going to get that run home. He doesn't care about getting the base hit. He doesn't care how he's going to get that guy home. That's a run producer. That's, that's a guy who, who – that's production. When you are in a tie game or a one-run game and all you have to do is get a guy over and get him in, you have three batters to do it, there is no reason – there's no reliever that you shouldn't be able to do that. The one, I guess, um, 
the leeway I'll give Billy was when he tried to lay down that bunt. I can't remember which inning it was. It was, yeah. he was going for the squeeze. Like it was a really solid thought. It was just very poor execution. And he knew it right away. He took his helmet off. He's sitting there. He's like, yep. Like I, I had a great chance and I fucked it up. But then they had, he had chances in the next two innings on base to get that run home. Tim Anderson, like Jay, I've heard you say this so many times with, a man on second or third, Tim Anderson going to the right side feels like the most sure thing of all time. And still somehow they're rolling over it and grounding out to short with the infield in or shallow pop fly. Like that was one of the most frustrating losses. To me, that loss is stupider than Tony Larusa intentionally walking Trey Turner with two strikes <laughs> and giving up a home run to Max Muncy. No joke. That was a stupider loss because you went three extra innings and burned out your bullpen and uh, what's his face Peralta has to come in and get fucking shellacked in his major league debut. Like that should never happen. What happened to Pedro Grifols? We're going to play fundamental baseball. We're going to play smart baseball. This is what he's preaching February 15th. Like what happened? How do you lose that game? Yeah. When the twins wanted repeatedly to give you the win and you can't figure it out. Like that is the microcosm of this era of White Sox, this team that Rick Hahn has assembled, this contention window that they have. Like what, how do you not win that game? But, but other thing, like even in the wins, the, the blowout win to Cincinnati. In the first inning, there was a play that Coppet got turned to second and he got caught the runner. They went in a rundown. Nobody was in first base. <laughs> we won that game. Okay, but you have to look at that play. That is bad baseball. Even in the wins. And that game, hopefully, it didn't cost. But in other games, that will cost. They were sure one out in second base, and you have two outs in the inning. And there is less pitchers to Kopech that in that game that we were like 14 runs up, Kopek went, what, five innings with a 13-run lead? Then you have to use four more arms in a game or three more arms when you are 13 runs up and you had a week with seven games ahead. So those little mistakes, it's not, it's in everything. We are not playing good baseball. It's not a good baseball team. And this is our fundamental playing. These guys get paid a lot of money and they train for six months. They prepare for, and this is fundamental baseball. Then you have the cutoff. These day they cannot bring the fastest game in the, the faster running in the game on third base. And you cannot, those you cannot win games like that. You, you can hide that in a win seventeen to five in May, but in October, if you're in the hunt and you're playing Cleveland and Minnesota, or if you make it to the playoffs. And Houston does that. You're not getting away with those mistakes. They those, those mistakes will cost you if you don't correct them early in the season. Right now, what corrections are we seeing, Gonzo? What corrections are we seeing from any of the things that we've seen over the last two seasons with this White Sox team? Not seeing many. There's your answer. Because, like we alluded, I think me and you, uh, Slav, were talking previously, like that game that they won on Wednesday versus Minnesota. And I know the third base coach, third base coach Rodriguez, he's, you know, prematurely always, you know, sent 
Grandal a couple times already, but in that situation, you make that third out at the plate. Like, how many times? I'm sure this coaching staff didn't look at it last year's tape, but like, how many? They led. They led baseball in players thrown out at home plate last year, yeah, and it wasn't like, close. How many? How many yeah. times? Have, how many times have we seen McEwing? Uh, you know, oh, always send so. Grandal. <laughs> like, it was just to me just embarrassing that we have to see it over and over again. Like, you'd think if we have this great coaching staff, um, that you know what we've heard is supposed to be better than what we've had in you know decades like we'd be seeing the fundamental the fundamentals and you know being played better and uh, we'd be seeing you know not things that we've already seen from you know the previous coaching staffs um and ultimately like as much as we'd like to see that the Sox winning back-to-back series versus the twins um and the reds those should have been sweeps you should have won that third game yes. versus Sorry. minnesota and you should have won the game. You had a lead on Saturday, and you know they, you know Clevenger gave it up ultimately. But um, those are games you have to win, and those are two wins instead of two L's, and on that record total, and you're that much more closer to getting, you know, that lead, you know, that lead deducted. Do you know how much a, a, a ego boost it is to say we swept the Minnesota Twins this week? Do you know how, how good in a White Sox clubhouse you'll wake up feeling the next day? Don't worry about your win-loss record. We swept the Minnesota Twins. Start and it's Get back to the foundation of White Sox baseball. That's a principle. That's a staple property of our <laughs> culture. It's two games in the standings, too. You sweep them. You, t- you get three games. You go from eight back to six, uh, five back. But – by only winning two of three, you only make up one game in the standings. And that really, that hurts like when you you're climbing out of a, exactly. And, and now we have less games to do that two for one. And with the schedule this year, the balanced schedule, you're already getting fewer chances to dig yourself out of that hole. Like they need Minnesota to go on some sort of, you know, losing skid or like a bad stretch against really good teams or whatever in order for them to really have any chance we know that there's no chance for the wild card. Something crazy right. would have to happen. They have to win the division or in order to to have a shot at the playoffs. Yeah. yeah but still, if, if we make the playoffs with this team, I mean, the AL Central is awful. So we go into the playoffs and we get swept again in the first round. Is the same roster? Is the same team? Are they going to blow it out after that? Oh, no, they're going to claim, oh, we went to the postseason. So, I mean, this team never has been twice, two years in a row to the postseason, if you take out the COVID season. Right. Never in a hundred, I don't know how many years. A you lot. Know how demoralizing that's going to be. In the, if Let's just say we miraculously make the playoffs and we lose two to one because we couldn't get a guy over in the eighth inning, man on third less than – two outs but what do you have there's no there's nothing that they've done to to prove to us that they can do that they they've not done anything to make you say oh there is this chance that they can turn it around because of we've seen them do xyz we've seen them correct these things Juan Diego you mentioned it like rundowns the White Sox have been awful at rundowns for years. I don't remember the last White Sox team that was 
a very good defensive fundamental team when it came to rundowns. I mean, they, they can't steal bases either. Uh, little thing. I mean, the the league right now is doing everything it can it's to give away, giving away stolen bases. And there's no guy on this team that wants to go take them. Even Robert, they were giving second base in one of those games. He didn't took it. <laughs> they were playing infield in. They were waiting for the out. They're saying uh, in, in, in difference uh, to go to second, he didn't took it. Why? They can't even give me defensive indifference in yeah. the, at the ass end of a game. That's where we're at. You see, that there's a, a um, round out in the hole. And they can make the out in second because he didn't took the base. And we and there's inning out and you go to the next inning yeah. when the game should be ended. So, Well, we've talked about the way that Rick Hahn has uh, assembled this roster for better or for worse. And including in that is this, you know, big chunk of money that they've invested in the bullpen. Soon enough, it seems like we're going to see Liam Hendricks return. Uh, Garrett Grochet is is throwing gas in the minor leagues and his rehab assignments. Uh, Juan Diego, what do you think? How, how do you think these this shakes out when Hendricks and Crochet come back? There's a lot of guys on the bubble right now. I think there's not many guys that you're saying are not potentially on the way out the door. Well, I think um, we need a... For sure, we need an arm that can go multiple innings because we know our starters are not going deep into games. So I see Lambert doing that job. He's the one who has been doing it. Uh, we need a lefty reliever in high leverage. Hope he can be crochet because we have to remember, these guys have been out for two years. It's not the same to be in a rehab and doing minor leaguers that go in, in the big stage. I hope he can do it because... The other, uh, the other lefty is Bomber, but he's not good right now. Um, then we have the Reynaldo Lopez, and I think Kenya Middleton has won a, a spot in this, in this um, relief staff. And then you have the Joe Kelly, of course, and the Ray Lowe, uh, and the Graverman. Uh, I think the eighth inning should be between Raylo and Graverman or even Kelly, you, you can do seven and eight with those three, I think. And also it depends if the, the lefty come in out and you have to use crochet and all that kind of stuff. But as uh, Jay said earlier, there's a hierarchy right now. So you know that the long toss guy is Lambert. You know that the nine in is for Hendricks. And the eight, seven, the high leverage is between Raylo, um, Kelly, Grayman, and Crochet depend on the mix and match of what you're facing. Also, I don't think when these guys are coming out, we're still going to have three catchers in the roster. I don't, Probably these, these days is to rest Grandal enough so we can go back to Grandal and Zavala and go per, uh, Perez go down and still have the extra arm. That we need always need arms with these. So uh, per, Perez will be sent down when Mancata comes back this weekend, likely. Um, so right now, the eight arms in the bullpen is Lambert, Lopez, Middleton, Gregory Santos, Bummer, Colome, 
Graveman, and Kelly. Yeah, I think Colome and Santos are out. I mean, I don't know how in 2023 we had a high leverage situation in the eighth inning, and it was Alex Colome from triple for triple A that was caught from the worst uh, roster in the MLB, the Nationals. The, the first the first pitch Alex Colome threw this year in a White Sox uniform yielded a four bagger to Nick Gordon. How how he that's for you, Ken? Well, how about that, Justin? That's back to back starts too. He gave up Homer and the first guy back to back starts. That's so sick. yeah, as much as you'd want to like DFA Bummer or I think Lambert might have an option left, I think you need to send down Santos. Which Santos has great stuff. I just don't think he's just ready yet. So you can always bring it up next year when guys are gone due to their contracts. But um, and Santos kind of reminds me of Jose uh, Ruiz in ways, but uh, I do like Santos's stuff a little bit better. But I do agree with you, uh, Juan. I do feel like Colome and Santos will be the ones sent down for Crochet and Liam when they come back. And, and it's, um, it, it, sorry, it's still yeah. Santos is going to be usable. I mean, we need mm-hmm. 10 arms. We need death because we yeah. know there's going to be injuries down the way in this ball club and any ball club. You need 10 arms. That is the we have been lucky with the starting pitching because all the guys have been doing the stars, but we don't have any death on, on the minor leagues. Just Davis Martin. And I don't know how, how he's doing right now, but you, you see uh, Tampa Bay and they just pick up Digma, by the way, they just lost uh, sprints and they lost, they don't have glass notes and they still win it in a record <laughs> pace. The Houston Astros, they lost Garcia, Urquidy. They don't have Maculers. They're winning. They have death. The Indians, they lost Klisak, uh, Sibali, McKenzie. And now they have these guys, Allen, and um, there's another kid. Uh, 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 Tanner Beebe. Beebe. And they're doing great. We don't have that that uh, death. The well, Braves Juan, also. Juan Diego... Uh... We are one of the worst teams in the league as far as development. You talk about the Rays, and let's just go. Let's just compare the Rays and the, the Tribe. They don't spend no money. They not going out here with these Christmas uh, shopping lists every winter. Why do they get to win 90-plus games every year? You know why? Because every time they have a meeting, every time they leave out that tunnel, nothing matters except winning. Kevin Cash used to play the game that way. He manages that way. Uh, Terry Francona manages that way. That's the fabric of the team. It's just winning. But it's smart baseball that leads to the winning. Those teams specifically, and Houston included, they all play good fundamental baseball, smart baseball. Like the Rays, the Rays, the one thing that I don't think they get enough credit for is how they basically – like they've cornered the market on the best platoon guys. They figure out a way that, you know, you don't have to play Yon Mankata every single day at third base. If you can play player X against righties and player Z against lefties and still get an 850 OPS combined out of them. Like just because the name Luke Rayleigh doesn't mean a ton to people doesn't mean that he's not raking against 900 OPS. I mean, like, yeah, they, they, this is just what they do. They, 
they find guys that fit what they need and they make it work. Like they have a very specific um, role that they give guys. They have a very specific philosophy when it comes to how they build out their roster. I mean, what star players does Tampa have? They've developed or signed or, and by signed, I mean, as international free agents, I mean, you know, the guys that they have and build around are homegrown. Like they play good, smart baseball. Now, Wanda Franco may be the showboatiest or the flashiest of those types of guys, but he gets the damn thing done. Like he's probably a top three MVP candidate right now. I mean, Luis Roberts should be that type of guy. You know, Eloy Jimenez, Yon Moncada have the potential to be those types of guys, but they don't play smart baseball. They're not on the field every single day. Look at look at how many runs get created between Wanda Franco and Randy Rosarino. I'm I'm not you don't even need a hit to score them. If you let's just say I tell I got two guys in my lineup, Wanda Franco and Randy Rosarino. All I need you guys to do is have productive outs. The rest of the seven guys just have productive outs. Do you know how easy it is to play under those circumstances? Yeah. It's harder for you to fail in a raised uniform than most. And that's amazing considering like the talent and stuff. Like I met Josh Lowe at Trader Joe's talking about Yu-Gi-Oh. I didn't know he was going to have an 1100 OPS <laughs> in May. I, well, you got to tell the story now. What the hell are you talking about? Nah, don't worry about that. I, don't know. I got I got a couple famous friends. Uh, he, you guys in a Yu-Gi-Oh league? Nah, I mean, yeah, kind of, sort of. Yeah. Play a little bit. Okay, Juan Diego. Any any thoughts before we get before we uh, move on? Um, no, I think I mean, we we I think we are a a bad product, and I'm I'm me as a fan. I I don't, for example. I don't live in Chicago. I don't live near in Chicago. And I try to do my best to catch some games. And that is uh, money that you spend, time that you spend. And you want to see a good product. And when you see a bad product that is for lack of effort or lack of work, it pisses you off. Because I'm here in Tampa and you can go see the race 20 weeks from my house. And that are a record team right now. And they are all missed pieces. Rosarena was from San Luis. Paredes, I think he was for Detroit. Harold Ramirez, he was for I don't know, Cleveland. Yep. All mm-hmm. missed pieces, they, they just want to play. They just want to play hard. They are not the biggest talent in the world. They don't make the biggest money in the world, but they're winning. They play together. They play fundamental baseball. And why other teams cannot do it? Oh, the other teams are doing it, not us. And, so, and go ahead, Juan Diego. Uh, we got to answer this question. Yeah, Ozzy wants to know why are you a White Sox fan? Poor guy. Yeah, well, when I was growing up in Venezuela, there were many Venezuelan guys in the roster. Ozzy, Wilson Alvarez is from Maracaibo, my city, and um, they were. And I started looking at Frank Thomas. Is my my biggest uh, player, my favorite player. There was a broadcast, it was regional, and they play a lot of game of the White Sox because of the connection with the Venezuelan guys and also mostly with Wilson Alvarez because he was a 
He's a local product for my city. He plays for the local team. He's a legend. He makes a no hino ruin the second appearance. So, and you and then those teams were good. Those teams <laughs> were good. You can see uh, Jack Madawell, Bere, Fernandez. There were good team. Lance Johnson, uh, Ventura, and Thomas, Guillen, and Steve Sachs, or the Ron Carcobis and Carton Figs. They were hard ass teams. They play good baseball, and you enjoy that. So why these flashy guys, they are over-talented, supposed to, because they only put together one season, each one, and in different time. Why? Why all the hype? You have to do it. You have to prove it to be that hype. Like a guy like, I don't know, guy that doesn't talk too much, Kyle Tucker in Houston Astros. He's awesome. Awesome. You don't see him flashing and Instagram and TikTok. He's an awesome player. He takes the balls. He put the ball in play. He plays good defense. And he's in an awesome team. He's six in lineup. And I haven't heard that he's complaining about it. And yep. He's six. He will be fourth in our team every single day. Four, three, the biggest guy. So, I mean, that's the thing. It, it hurts. Also, even even the stadium. I, I've been to many stadiums, and the Sox Stadium is always bottom three. And I'm here oh. in Tampa. I'm here wow. in Tampa. There's bottom two. Damn. Yeah, it's Oakland, Tampa, and Sox. Oof. And Oof, even here tough. in Tampa, here in Tampa, I don't know if you've been here, guys. Outside is awesome. You have bars. There, there isn't a good area. You have something. I think it's an old stadium with an old technology for the dome, but you got something. And and the experience is, is nice. Now they have the Randy Ross Arena land and it's fun. I've been to the Wiser game and it's just a stadium. You go, they play, and that's it. And outside, you got nothing. You yeah. have to get in the subway and get out as, as fast as you can. Damn. Man, credit to you. Credit to you for being through thick and thin with this team that that many years, the teams that you grew up with, there's a reason why you became a fan. Like you said, those guys were were baseball players. And we talked about that at the start of the show. This White Sox roster is built on talent and potential, not on production and not on actual baseball. And there's a big difference. And that's where you separate those teams like Tampa like Houston, like Cleveland, um, from teams like the White Sox. You don't win games on paper. You win games on a baseball diamond, and the White Sox aren't able to do that. Yeah. I think this is one of the first, like, I've been watching the White Sox my whole life. This is one of the few times where I don't think there's anybody on the roster I would trust to coach my kids. Like, wow. think about it. Like, I don't – I wouldn't put – the future of my son's uh, baseball career in the hands of, you know, Tim Anderson, or I, I might Andy say Vaughn. Andrew Andrew Vaughn might be the might be the maybe uh, my choice. El, Elvis Andrews, maybe. Oh, good one. That's a good one. He's, he's Venezuelan. A he's a veteran. He's not for Venezuela. He's a veteran. He just switched position. He's playing nice defense. He's just he already has his ten years to be retired, and he's playing. He's playing a good level. He's body knife. He don't care. He was all the way first 
in the in this Texas team that went to two World Series, and he's playing. Yeah, he he just want to play. He we went uh, buyout for the Athletics to try to compete. That's what he wants. He don't want more money. He just want to compete. He think he's still in a level and he's showing up. So that that's a guy that you you see. I think some guys. I don't know how he's in the clubhouse because I don't I don't know the guy, but. I think that that is a example that you can go. That's a career you can focus on. I don't know how many games he had played in the years because he was consistently playing 162 games, 160 games at shortstop in fucking 100 degrees in Arlington, Texas. <laughs> so we don't have that. We don't have those guys that play day in and day out. He was a Braille, but he's gone. And you have to... Flip the page. He's not already here. Juan Diego, you are the man. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for constantly watching and, and chiming in in the comments. You're welcome on our show anytime. Uh, we really appreciate you jumping on. Oh, thank, thank you guys this for the opportunity. Thank of you course. We'll, we'll definitely have you back on again. And thank you. Stick with the White Sox. It'll, it'll be worth it before we die. Maybe. Hang in there, brother. <laughs> just one championship in 37 years. <laughs> Well, thank you guys. All right, man. Thank Thanks for jumping on. See you. Thanks, Juan Diego. Juan, he can come on the show anytime. Like we had uh Ray the Barber on episode one talking about like watching the 05 World Series in what was it like Afghanistan or something? And now you got, you know, from Venezuela growing up with the White Sox. I love to hear shit like that. Um man, we got some we got some tweets to get to, don't we? Oof. Yeah. All right. Uh, I got it. I got it, Jay. You, you getting? You get? I see you getting fired up. Is they get it. a it's, it's time for Stone Pony's tweets of the week. As usual, there are a number of really quality discussions happening on White Sox Twitter, as there always are. Gonzo, um, what, what do you want to get to first? Do you want to get to the fact that the White Sox are constantly injured and never play together? Do you want to uh, rail on Eloy Jimenez for getting a random appendectomy that's going to miss six weeks? Where do you, you want to go with this? Let's start with some very heartfelt tweets by our friend Gordo. Gordo, Gordon Beckham. Yes, Gordon Beckham tweeted, just saw, as you can read on the screen, just saw Eloy to miss four to six weeks after undergoing an appendectomy. Anyone remember when Adam Dunn played seven games after this procedure? Unreal. He played that quickly. Um, yeah, I don't remember um, Adam Dunn getting his epidectomy but i guess uh for adam's sake you know a lot of shit was going south not just the stats he was putting on the field but off the field he had you know that procedure how is he done catching that stray how's he catching the stray right now <laughs> poor guy just sitting at home minding his own damn business and all of a sudden he's getting thrown under the bus well this was but this is gordon making a point that yeah number one adam dunn is a crazy 
tough fucking son of a gun, uh, which I guess it's ironic to say son of a gun after you drop an F bomb. Um, but also like kind of the, the softness of today's modern baseball player. I, I think if I recall correctly, I do remember Adam Dunn having this procedure and I remember him coming back like crazy fast where he really should not have. Um, I don't know how much of it was his say, how much of it, you know, like Herm Schneider was running the team at the time and like he's doing everything in his power to get those guys back on the field ASAP. But cer certain things are out of your control. Like when you have a procedure like that, I think a lot of it is, um, I mean, four to six weeks. It's just, it's just one thing after the other with this team. Yeah. I mean, and you got to think about it too. Like uh, there's no rehab for appendectomy. It's just, you're on the shelf. We'll see, we'll see you in about a month and a half, maybe two months, depending on how long you're going to stay down in Charlotte. But I mean, my boy, uh, my co-host on BGR King Mac was calling Eloy soft and we had to come down on him in the group chat, in the bad guy group chat, because there's nothing you can really do. You can, you can die from appendicitis. Like if his appendix ruptures, it could be game over depending on who you are and how your anatomy stacks up. So hopefully I'm glad Eloy got it taken care of before it was literally too late. Uh, hell. I'll, I'll see you back. I'll see you back in July. Eloy, rest up. Feel better. But, uh, and Eloy, I, Eloy hit two bombs, too, right before that. So Yeah, if it ain't one just, thing, it's another. You know, <laughs> you're just starting to get on that roll, which, you know, when Eloy gets on a roll, that whole lineup starts to heat up. And, man, why can't we just get rid of this, you know, injury bug? Slav, go ahead and show us this injury bug with these stats. Read us the stats because – it just makes me more depressed knowing that oh, for the past now, four years. Now you put me on the spot. Uh, so what you're getting at is, you know, we've at NBC, you know, on the pregame show and on the postgame show, they've talked about how little the White Sox core players have played together uh, since they all got them together. So they put this out two days ago. Um, the White Sox core, meaning Yohan Moncada, Yasmani Grandal, Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez. So those five guys have only played 45 games together since the start of 2020 out of a possible 420 games, That's which is now disgusting. it's like it's it's like 10.8 percent. It's something stupid like that is so depressing. But my issue with this is. It's an easy cop out for the front office to say, well, we were never healthy. Well, we've had bad luck. Well, the injuries. Well, we were never whole. And I know, I don't know off the top of my head what their record is when those five guys all play together. I know it's it's considerably over 500. It's not like 120 win pace by any means, but it's like a really strong record. It's a very strong team. The problem is when 91% of the time you don't have those guys all together, like you, you shouldn't even discuss it. It's not a thing. That's like saying it's like taking out a loan and you actually can't have any access to the money. Well, you have the money. You just can't use it. Well, what the fuck is the point? I don't have the money. I don't have the money. Pretty much. It's sick. I'll lend you this money. You can have it, but you can't do anything with it. 
TLR won ninety three games under those circumstances with eleven. But he had Jake plan. Clam and yeah. Brian Goodwin and and the Greyhound Billy Hamilton. Oh my God! And I was incredible. Did. Actually, you're part of the problem, Slob. That what? Billy, that Billy Hamilton comment. I knew where you. He's he transcends. He's the type of player that this roster and this clubhouse needs because he kind of galvanizes everything. He's obviously not going to hit 300. He's not going to hit 20 home runs. Um, He's going to play good defense. He's going to run the bases well. But his impact is so much more um, necessary in the clubhouse because of what he does to bring all of these pieces together and unite them. I was talking to um, pods this afternoon. We were talking about Billy Hamilton. When Billy Hamilton scores from second base on a ground ball on the infield, that fires the team up way more than any home run. Fact. When Billy Hamilton gets from second to third on a ground ball to the third baseman, that fires the team up. That's when you see everybody on the top step of the dugout. You like, He's the type of guy, and again, I'm like, I'm not trying to like overhype what he brings to the team. The intangibles, though, are important when you have a team that has as much talent as this roster has. Yeah, and Billy Hamilton is one of the few players on this roster that could put pressure on a defense. Me and Jason like, Spencer are our enemies right now. Yeah, I'm gonna send Jason Spencer to the moon. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I've been I've been emailing blackout shy. HR to get Jason Spencer out of here, and they've been ignoring me for about a month now. And I'm it's not tired of it. We don't have I'm HR tired. in the budget. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, yeah no. So I'm, uh, to your point, uh, Billy Hamilton is action, and you see uh, how many times have guys of Billy Hamilton's ilk ruined the game for the White Sox as, as our opposition? Something as simple as going first to third. Up, oh, game's over. Up wild pitch, game's over. I just wish Billy Hamilton could have gotten the job done last week against the Twins. But I feel like they took their – I feel like Rafal took the the pedal off the metal with the vibe of Billy going into Cincinnati. Like, he didn't even use him. Hardly use him in Cincinnati. And we haven't seen it in yesterday's game. I mean, granted, it was a blowout, but you didn't see it in today's close game either. So if you're going to have him in the lineup, like you got to take advantage of that momentum and that vibe that he brings. Start him in right field. Put Sheets as DH. Put Billy Hamilton a nine hitter so he leads off to go to the top of the order with Timmy. Like that's a guy you want to have on base with Timmy at the plate. Like with that speed of Timmy, that you know that's a distraction to the pitcher, and then that leaves uh, Timmy with some good pitches to drive and to score him. So. It's I mean, he's got to be on base to do that, though. He was hitting right. like 148 in AAA. If he's your ninth hitter, put down that bunt. Like, take advantage of the defense like with that speed on the base path. Yeah. Like, you're only going to uh, utilize Billy in pinch running situations, so why not utilize your opportunities with him with putting him in the lineup where he's going to see at least three at-bats? So You know, we I, we talked about this when I worked in minor league baseball. Uh, Billy Hamilton was on the Dayton Dragons at the time. And he was still like a really big top prospect in a ball. We, we were trying to figure out if he bunted in 500 or 600 at bats every year, if he just bunted, how many base hits would he get? 
and he'd probably have a higher average, no joke, just by putting the ball in play and racing to first base. It's as close to a like try to steal first base as, as there as it exists. Yeah, I mean, how many players can make a uh, like Billy Hamilton turn a, a routine play into? Oh, I'm safe at first. Oh, I'm asking for a review. See, that's the yeah. that's the key that's the key part. Like when Billy Hamilton first came in, the review wasn't really a thing in the league. Can you imagine having Billy Hamilton at your disposal while being able to manipulate? certain plays like he he could very well be a weapon the thing the thing is his skill set is just so specific it's hard to just play him in an everyday situation so it's it's tough and Griffal's gonna have uh, a, a a huge problem on his hands getting that electricity in the lineup day to day because I mean offensively there is some there is a risk there like it's more likely for him to go 0 for 4 than 1 for 4 at this point in the game. So how can you utilize him without, you know, sacrificing your team's ability to score runs? So good Early. comments here. Uh, Juan Diego says, I think right now it's just a pinch runner, but probably use it um, early in the game. Just give him one at bat. Um, you know, leadership has nothing to do with talent. And I think that's exactly kind of what, um, what Billy Hamilton epitomizes. And then Jason says, you know, like, it's a great point. A pinch runner is a leader on the team. That's a problem. Uh, I, the team is cooked. Yes. But it has nothing to do with because Billy Hamilton is a leader or not. The fact that his impact is so great on this team is the problem, which I think is, is kind of what you're getting at. Um, God, it's just and a I want to bring up mess. Juan's comment because we saw the seven, eight, nine holes beat us versus Tampa Bay and Toronto. Their seven, eight, nine holes just obliterated us. So it matters. I, think you, uh, I wonder if that depth matters. The, inning, the seven, eight, nine inning or in the lineup. I don't know. I have to. Well, no, Gonzo was talking yeah. about Billy, bat, uh, batting Billy ninth. Yeah. And we've seen sometimes, you know, in years past, the White Sox had crazy production out of the bottom third of the order, but then they couldn't get the runs home at the top of the order, which, you know, like, yes. Oh, he, he did say it is the seventh and eighth and ninth inning. So okay. in that case, yeah, it makes even more sense with Billy Hamilton, either have him use that one at bat or come in as a defensive replacement um, or a pinch runner. So, uh, and then the other tweet, uh, I don't have the exact tweet, but we were talking for some reason about Nick Madrigal and, um, the hype that, you know, White Sox Twitter had about him because of the hype and the scouting report that, you know, White Sox brass basically came to the, to the forefront with on Madrigal. And, you know, this became this discussion about the 2018 draft that um, Ozzie Jr. took part in. So, I mean, look at some of the names that are on this graphic. Nick Madrigal goes fourth overall to the White Sox. You know, Jonathan India goes a pick later. He was the 21 NL Rookie of the Year. He's had a very, you know, solid start to his career. Certainly not, you know, an all-star or a world beater, but probably would do the White Sox a little bit better with um, an a actual major leaguer as opposed to Nick Madrigal. Um, Jared Kelenic, a big-time prospect. I mean, how many of us would love to have Grayson Rodriguez right now or mm. Logan Gilbert or – 
uh, Brady Singer, even. I mean, even like, well, look at all the injuries we had. Nolan Gorman would feast in this lineup. Remember yeah. the tank for beer, and he ended up going twenty eighth. Like he, I think he just got DFA'd recently. Uh, and I saw White Sox Twitter was kind of laughing about that. Um, Nico Horner, that's a hell of a pick at number twenty four overall. He's turned out to be a very, very good. I mean, Nico Horner. Light and night and day, head and shoulders above Nick Madrigal as far as quality major league ball player. I mean, there's just I don't want to be too um, retrospective when it comes to drafts because you can do this every single year for every single team on the number of guys that they passed on. Um, you know who, who's going to be the best player in this draft? Maybe you you can Grayson Rodriguez has a has a shot. Logan Gilbert's off to one hell of a start. Uh, I mean, Alec Bohm, Joey Bart, Casey Mize, like. And Kelnick was like, he just, had, he finally is off to a hot start. I know they brought him up last year and he was kind of cold, but. Yeah, he was again, worse than cold. <laughs> yeah. Again, you can um, say that one in retrospect, but India, that was one where I feel like in the moment you have to take him in that situation. Why? And I know, I know we had Eric just as a prospect, I felt like his approach to the game was better. Um, and again, like we were questioning, you know, Madrigal on the bases, even in the minors. But um, that's just a guy I felt like in the moment they should have grabbed. Um, but then again, like I know when we had Eric, which I thought it was a genius idea, calling Cincinnati up to see what they would, you know, what the offer, the package would be for India. But like in this situation, like you wouldn't have to make that trade. You would already have them. So you don't have to waste resources to um, use those resources elsewhere if you're going to trade a guy like Montgomery or, you know, one of these guys for you, you, you know, if your scouting department's like, this guy could be replaceable um, and not be like a Tati situation that you give away the, you know, when you, you know, if you had a better scouting department than the White Sox had at that time, maybe you would understand what talent you have. But um, again, like, that's what scares me too is like when you're going to be, Let's just say going back to Eloy, if you know he doesn't get injured, his value starts to rise. Same with Robert, then you can trade Eloy and Robert, and really give yourself a good retooling. But we can't even trust, you know, not only our GM but the front office that's below him, with a guy like Chris Getz and some of these other, you know, persons in that front office that really didn't grow up in the game. They never were playing professionally so um it's just it's frustrating because as much we want to see change it's just going to be a waste because it's the same people doing it over and over again and i think there's only one owner in chicago sports that may change and that was mccann surprisingly changing the bears uh, when you see more of that when you see jerry clean the front office clean the committee that he talks to start over again. If he wants to see a better product that his business is based off of. Um, Even if they yeah, drafted I mean, Jonathan India, do you think they would have developed him? Um, that's the bigger question. And I know someone just posted that in the chat with Gilbert. Yeah. Juan. Yeah. And, and Slavko, that's a great point. Cause like, whoever they, you know, developed so, uh, position players wise, you can just say what Tim Anderson and then maybe Anderson, Berger. Yeah. Maybe Berger with his bounce back from the injuries, but that's just not enough. Yeah, I don't. I mean, 
even if we do get the right guy, like for me, looking at that draft, I was going Kellerman because I wa- I watched him work out, uh, Midwest guy, yada, 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 whatever. But do you trust the White Sox organization to put them in the best position to succeed? Because I'm thinking they're going to, if they find this premium talent, they're going to make sure it's treated like premium talent. And you're not going to have these kids in the incubator in the nest long enough to develop them. You're just going to cast them out into the fire. And what you're going to have is Jared Kellenick batting 210 with 20 home runs and 68 RBIs as a crown jewel of your fucking regime batting cleanup in a lineup that's winning 68 games. And would have led the home, uh, White Sox in home runs last season if that was the case, which is <laughs> I understand why you upset, Slob, because you've been a Sox fan longer than me, and you've seen this in way more detail and in-depth than me, right, as, as, a, as a casual fan. I'm kind of glad that I don't know all the fucked up shit. <laughs> I'm I'm glad. I'm glad. Leave me in the dark. Lie to me. Jerry Reinsdorf, lie to me. Rick Hahn, keep lying to me. I appreciate it. I it's, appreciate it. It's defeating when you when you know things that give you on one hand it's helpful when you get some clarity on things, but on the other hand most of the time, the clarity just pisses you off or confuses you. So, Man. hey, they say ignorance is bliss for a reason. I, I want to stay ignorant because after after we didn't sign Marcus Simeon and we lost him to Texas, I held a grudge against the organization because that could have fixed all of our problems immediately. This show is brought to you by Old Elk. Old Elk Weeded Bourbon. If you haven't had it, I highly suggest it. It's delicious. Yeah. My cheeks are red because I've had a few. <laughs> oh, hey, it's time for Southside Daily. Gonzo, what do we got? Yep, this is Southside Daily. We have two more games here, Wednesday, Thursday versus the Royals. Tomorrow's matchup, Lance Lynn versus Keller. And then Thursday's matchup is going to be Clevenger versus Brad Singer, who Singer was just on that uh, 18 draft that we just posted by the Royals selection there in that draft. But uh, I feel like they're Singer owns the White Sox, FYI. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I feel like they're going to split the series on the road in Kansas City. I think they're going to win tomorrow and lose on Thursday to split it, even though I feel like they should they should, they should beat up on Singer. But, um, yeah. Why do you say that? I'm just not so excited with this stuff. Never have been. But have it you, just – Jesus Christ. Hey, you do this, Slug, you look, do this, look, look, you do this once them. an episode. You you've watched him own yes. the White Sox every I've time watched he's pitched him, Yeah, but them. that's not big owning the White Sox when their core has been injured. Like the people, the guys that he has to go up against is a shitty ass lineup. Did Brooks Boyer text you that? Rick Hahn text no, you that? But as an excuse? Like, no, fuck, but dude, like I'm not surprised that he's having success with the White Sox. Like I'm just not. He's doing his job. What he's supposed to be doing. What and like 
that's exactly why Grafal alluded Beating up to on it. a bad team? Yes, that yeah. is what he's done. Yes. And that's so why, why do you have faith that that's he's why, going to... The, what do you mean? Go I ahead. said they're going to lose on Thursday. No, you said win. You said they're going to no, split. I said they're going to... Yeah, they're going to win tomorrow and lose on Thursday. Singer pitches on Thursday. Oh, that's not what you said the first time, I don't think. But okay, I apologize. I thought so, you were saying that they were going to beat Brady Singer. No. But no. you know Brad Keller has basically owned the White Sox too since that TA. So the whole ro- so the whole rotation just owns mm-hmm. the White Sox apparently, right? I mean, they haven't had a winning season against the Royals in like 3 years. Stop. That's true. I guarantee you. We did this on pre and post game. Head to head, the White Sox the last few years have lost the season series to the Royals. I don't think they've won the season series against KC since 20 or 19. What? Yeah, what? It's because fucking guys like Brady Singer own the White Sox. And Vinny Pasquantino hits 7,000-foot bombs. <laughs> it was a wall scraper. Only 450 <laughs> wall got scraper over. in the league. It, it barely cleared the 32nd row. <laughs> <laughs> I, but ultimately, I don't, I don't yeah. know, man. All I right, feel like nah, nah, you, now you got me. I, I gotta look it up. You guys talk while I tell you how much I've, Brad Keller just has shoved against slob. the White Sox. I just feel a slob if our expectations are what they are and we feel like this should be a competitive lineup winning a division. They should be winning these next two games instead of splitting the series. But I believe I, I they're mean, gonna split the series. Expectation is one thing, but they've done nothing yeah. to actually cause you to have high expectations. If that and makes that's sense, that's why. That's why I just said I have them splitting the series. That's because you know, I'm looking okay, at the so reality. Why do you have? Why do you have them beating Keller and Lynn winning against the Royals? I'm just I playing devil's like advocate at this point. Devil's advocate. Well, yeah. Again, if if your offense is hitting on their cylinders with the pitching, they should win the, these matchups. But. Who's hot right now? Just Robert and Vaughn, basically, because Timmy's been a little slow off of his uh, bring, coming in, you know, coming back into the lineup. He had an off day today, you know, which they said that was planned. But you know, I think that you know, there's fans like us that see him and don't see those wheels really burning on him. So I feel like there's some still staggering, but that's just speculation. But um, I just hope Tim gets hot soon because we need him. Um, but yeah, I just feel like they're going to split it. Um, and they're going to go back home, um, Friday through Sunday versus the Houston Astros, who they split the series to begin the season. And it's going to be Friday's matchup is Kopech and they haven't put a starter yet, a projected starter. Um, Saturday is going to be looking like Cease versus Buick. I haven't seen him pitch yet before. And then Sunday's matchup is looking like it's going to be Geo versus uh, Hunter Brown, their prominent rookie right-hander. Sunday's game, I think that's going to be a good showdown. Geo, who's been hot right now, versus Brown, who in the last, you know, couple of starts, he's been a little, he's been struggling a little bit, but I like what that kid has. I, I'm excited for that matchup on Sunday. Um, if I'm being completely honest with you, I think that's also. We're about honesty here, so you should be honest with us. Yeah, 
and I'm being keeping You're it real. I, I see I us asked all everybody to lie to me. <laughs> I, I see them losing two versus three at home versus Houston. Uh, I then... just want to back. I just want to back up a little bit uh, to yep. tomorrow's game against Lance Lynn. That's a very dangerous situation for Lance Lynn and and Griffall's bullpen because if you if you look at what Kansas City is rolling out now, mind you, it's a dog shit team, but five guys in that lineup that will be in the lineup tomorrow has hit a home run against Lance Lynn before. This is not a crisp, sharp Lance Lynn coming in on a heater. He could very well be running into a Kaufman trap with Pasquantino in the gang swinging the bat. So I, I feel like if we, if we could get out of Dodge tomorrow with a win that, that at least pushes Keller out of the boogie, out of the boogeyman situation. And he's just a regular pitcher. Cause if we drop tomorrow and we're staring Keller, uh, not Keller, but uh singer in the face, we could be popped and we might not make it to Houston. The season could be over with that Sunday. Hunter Brown could be the last meaningful game we have until further notice. If we don't take care of business in Kaufman right now. Gonzo, FYI, after TA Mm -hmm. hit that home run off Keller, his next 10 starts, seven of them were quality starts against the White Sox. Oh, my God. What was his ERA? You said since last year, you said? No, since TA hit that home run off Keller that Mm -hmm. caused the bases clearing brawl. That was in 19. His right. next 10 starts, seven of them have been quality starts. The White Sox did tag him uh, in August last year, um, eight earned over five and two-thirds. I don't remember that game. But his career ERA against the White Sox is 3.97 in 16 games. That's so, including a blow-up of last year, too. So that's, that's including that's one eight-run game and a five uh, early in his career in 18. The Sox tagged him for five and two and two-thirds. So, like I said um, – after TA, you know, people remember that moment, but he's he's had quite a bit of success against the White Sox. Yeah, and I just like what I've seen out of Lance his last two starts. And he's given up four earned both, but I'm seeing him go deeper. You know, he those last two starts he went six and two thirds and six and a third. So he's he's getting a little bit deeper in the games and I want to see him start to bounce. He, he's missing back. a he's missing a lot of bats too while giving up four. I mean, don't get me wrong, yeah. he gave up four, but he was still striking out ten. So that's yeah. a lot of production from a guy that's given up a, a, a bloop and a blast. Yeah, to so me, that's a I... good sign that he's he's starting to limit the mistakes. If he's getting he's he's sharp enough to get the swing and miss. Um, if he's not giving up the mistakes, then then you're looking at uh, you know the the guy that they want him to be. Go deep into ball games, quality starts, three earned runs or less, and really save the bullpen. Yeah, and when I say they split the series, I'm just saying because matchup based, like I feel like Lynn is turning that corner. So I I like the the probability of the White Sox winning tomorrow versus Thursday because Clevenger's on the opposite. He started hot, and lately he's been getting bounced around, so he's on the down. And I don't like that probability versus Singer, but with the success that both Keller and Singer have had, I like the Sox probability more in tomorrow's game versus Thursday's game. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting uh, Keller tomorrow to give us a higher volume of strikes. I really think Singer can pitch himself into some jams, and I'm not talking about giving up some hard contact. I'm talking about 
ball four to the wrong guys. If he gets into a situation where we we already seen T.A. and Luis Robert both take first inning walks. If Brady Singer puts himself in position to give up a couple runs early, that's a game changer because the Kansas City's bullpen is trash. And we need insurance runs on this club ASAP. Isn't it sad that you can point out like specific single instances of these two players taking walks in the first inning? Like yeah, how many other so teams recent. like how many other teams are like, yeah, Mike Trout got a first inning walk? Like, yeah. ooh, fuck. God damn it. This team pisses me off. All right, let's make our way to go. before we get out of here. Oh, well, oh, oh, oh uh, you're not done yet. You're not done. No, 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 no. Uh, the Houston series, Alvarez band 283, seven home runs, 32 ribbies. That's the guy to pitch around. Then I forgot oh, to say. Think? Fuck. Yeah. 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 I mean, Pedro hasn't done it yet, so I would think that, but Pedro hasn't yet. So um, no. then, yes, the last series, the beginning on Tuesday is going to be at home versus Cleveland. Cleveland Guardians, Junior's favorite team, is rolling into town, and it's going to be – Lance Lynn with the second star of the week versus Shane Bieber, their ace in Cleveland. Um, yeah, I feel like Guardians are going to take that game to begin the series. So how I see it, split. I, I uh, split don't Kansas the series. Yeah, split in Kansas. They lose two of three at home versus Houston and lose the first one versus Shane Bieber. All right, so that's what you got. Depressing as fuck. <laughs> Gonzo right when things said we're losing the series against Kansas City, we're definitely <laughs> going to lose against Houston. Right. Oh, and don't forget, we might lose the first game to the Guardians. Well, to be fair, we had back-to-back series wins, and I have a splitting in Kansas before things get really bad. Wow! On the oh, they stand. weren't bad enough earlier. Okay, thirteen games under five hundred. <sighs> it's just peachy. Aren't hey, you guys pumped that we started doing wins. the show at the very wrong time? Ah, it's great. I like talking to you guys about this shitty baseball team. Let's make some picks. Uh, shout out real quick, Ozzy Jr. sitting at home, or at least he was watching our show. Um, he had a family emergency, but he's watching and listening <laughs> with the kids. And he said, Adela recognized Slav. He said, that's daddy's friend. Hi, Adela. Hello, also, if you guys are still awake and watching. Um, all right, picks to click for this week. Um, first of all, let me pat myself on the back for my Jake Berger pick a couple weeks ago. Don't Don't hear we go, me. Okay, first of all, that was impressive, and you should be impressed because that was impressive. I'm tired um, of losing these pick to clicks. I, well, I thought you – didn't you get one last week? No, he got one this week. This he- – Round of applause, Jay. Good job. Congratulations. Oh, Gonzo's in, Gonzo's in the note editing right now as we speak. Great job. Yeah, I gotta make sure I put in his tally before I forget that he got. So his I didn't win with TA. Who who did you who did you pick, Jay? Uh, who did I got? Opie, right? <laughs> no, he doesn't even know. He doesn't. Wait, I'm trying to. Oh my god! 
All right, Jay, you picked Gavin Sheets last week. Hell really? of a pick. Yeah, Gavin Sheets went four for 11, two runs, two home runs, four ribbies. He had himself a week. Did better than Timmy. Oh, thank you, what Gavin. Did Tim do? Um, so the order this week is going to go UJ. It's going to go Justin Slav with the second pick. Me with the C's pick because Junior picked – uh, who did he pick? I think he picked Berger, who went in the DL, so he didn't contribute at all. Um, so it's going to be, yeah, Justin, Slav, me, and then Junior. Before for, I so, pick, yeah. before I pick, when it, is Moncada coming back? Uh, uh, <laughs> that's what Junior asked. Why would you pick him even if he was? The I'm, reports, I'm reports are hot. he's coming back. He was three this for weekend. three tonight in Charlotte. Yeah, reports are. Um, he's coming back this weekend for the homestand, and that's oh, a maybe. That's a maybe, but that's that's a, it might happen. You know what? I'm gonna do you a favor, Slob. I'm gonna pick Ta this week, and then he'll win. How is that doing me a favor? Well, because you wanted Ta to win, pick the click, right? I wanted him to win when I picked him. Right. That's what I'm doing. I'm picking him. <laughs> Yeah, but now if he wins when you pick him, he's not doing me any favors. Um, all right, so you got TA. Um Yeah, I actually gave I actually did you a favor that other week. Who? You cuz I I forgot. I allowed you to pick whoever. You oh, excuse me, you allowed me to pick whoever? Well, who the fuck made you the boss? Wow. Wait, no. Uh, Gonzo Steinburner here. Um, I know. I'm didn't. looking back at the receipts. I won with Burger. That's the only one I've won, right? Or did I? I had a. I oh, I had. Uh, I no, won the other one won because one. Uh, Vaughn. Yeah, Vaughn hit the walk off, the first walk off mm-hmm. win of the season. How is that not a tiebreaker? You use some random RA7 stat that doesn't actually exist. And, <laughs> and then I told you that the guy who hit the home run to win the game should probably get the tiebreaker if it's close. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't giving you a pick to click win. It was giving you a selection. And I forgot what that was. I Well, I've won with Berger and I've won with Vaughn. And neither of them had won the previous week. So stop making shit up. <laughs> Not, now I'm going to have to win a, a third one. Uh, okay, oh, so well, Jay's got week. TA. Yep. No, now you, you see you played yourself. Um, all right. Some uh, I <laughs> so I feel like Frank Thomas right now because every time he used to come in for a pre and post game show, but like, all right, Frank, who's your pick to click? He's like, he didn't even care who was in the lineup. He's like, I got Tim Anderson, and he's like, ah, oh, <laughs> TA's not playing. He's like, then give me Pantera. So I'm gonna pull a Frank Thomas. This is a shout out to Frank Thomas. If you got TA, second pick is Pantera. I'm going with Luis Roberts. Nice. Suck it. He bringing that 900 OPS. So fuck it. I think seven game hit streak right now. I, so he's he's going to go one for 12. I'm just saying P7 matters. In the stat world. No, it really doesn't. But continue on. Because if you're good at fantasy baseball. But I'm going with. Well, you just said in the real world, and then fantasy boy. baseball. No, because it gives fantasy baseball is real. It's yeah. very real. Yes. Very real, and when you need to know your stats and your production on the last. We're going to war, going to war here, Slav. 
So Slav, I don't use P7. I use P15 for the last two weeks. I don't care. So exactly, we we know. (laughs) So we're going forward here. I'm gonna pick my man who had a blast tonight, Mr. Andrew Vaughn. Hope he blew the game open for the Sox with that two-run bomb. I think it was on that inside pitch. So my pick is Andrew Vaughn. Hope dog. Hope dog. And that leaves Junior, who he's picking. Paco I gotta see. Martin. I gotta see because he wanted Mancada. Timo Perez. We should give him Mancada by default. Yeah, because he, he said TA was his two option, and you you picked him, Jay. So Junior's gonna go hope and pray for Mancada to come back this homestand. I'm hoping was, that Granny comes back. Wait, TA was his number two option. So yeah, Moncada was his number one option. Yeah. Hmm. Should lay off hey, if you don't, if you don't believe me, man, I got the tweets right here. <laughs> no. Hey, you know what's tripped out? Those were that. his two options. Look at that. Those were my first two options. Look at that. Look at that. Read it. My options only one Moncada. <laughs> well, your camera is very high quality. I can actually see. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Very nice. It's beautiful. Congratulations to you and your phone. And Thank congratulations you. to me uh, in advance for winning this week's, next week's picks to click. Not going to happen. Uh, so what's our score right now? I've got two, despite the fact that I have not been on for six episodes. So you guys come on, suck. Don't, come on, doll. <laughs> uh, Gonzo's got two. Um, Junior's got one. Jay's got one. We should give, um, we should give Juan Diego one uh, retroactively for being amazing and for listening and tuning in every week he was a great guest tonight uh so jay's got tim anderson slav's got luis robert gonzo's got vaughn jr has his boy yon moncada all right gonzo anything else um nah i just love the fact that one came on with the fire from venezuela thank you for being a white Sox fan one i know you brought up the a's and the rays and that selection too which all our pain. Wait, Slide, weren't those the three teams that haven't paid a hundred million dollar player? Uh, Kansas City, Oakland, and the White Sox. Okay. Yeah. So not the that's right, not the Rays, but the two of the three there. So uh, I'm sorry. I think Fra- Franco was the first guy that they've given a hundred million dollar deal to, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you're correct. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, would, unless Fred McGriff been. got one as an expansion player, but I don't think Brian that's Dog the case. Did not. No. No. Um, I do want to give a shout. I'm not really shout out, but. Re- uh, for retrospect, for the the family of the Chicago officer that was shot and killed off duty, um, she was just about to earn her master's, and right off duty, she got she was shot and killed. Um, all the prayers to the family um, for that officer. Um, that hits home for me being in the field. Um, so yeah, all of the wishes going to her family right now in a time of grief. Um, but other than that, that's all I got for tonight. Um, got to give my shout out to. Juan, my girlfriend, Soraya, who's always listening to the show. And Slav, love having you back, man. Um, sign of relief for us. I'm miserable. I hated it. I didn't want to be <laughs> here at all, but you got me. Whatever. Welcome back. He's just here. Uh, so no, I mean, it was a blast. I was thinking about doing like some sort of, uh, you know, dramatic music, um, you know, pick a good song, like a walk-up song out of the open. But I'm like... I'm not that special. Fuck me. So um, I just said, let's go for 46 seconds. And then 
went on a rant about Rick Hahn. So it felt nice to get that off my chest. It felt great to be back with the voice. Uh, sorry that OJ couldn't make it. Ozzy Jr. dealing with some family stuff, but very active in the chat. Thank you. Um, and thank you to Juan Diego, man. Like you got, you're awesome, dude. Thank you for listening every week. Thanks for chiming in on the chat and all of you guys who, uh, who tuned in, make sure to subscribe on YouTube at the Guillen grid, follow us on t- uh, Twitter on Titter, haha. <laughs> Uh, blackout show shy facebook instagram um anywhere you we get your podcast we got a tiktok we just created tick tiktok we yeah. dilly and dally though yeah so check the tiktok out too it's uh we've had some hot a uh, lot, lot of people like the oscar colas clip that i put on there this on the is the training. best compliment i've ever received sorry i had to interrupt your tiktok <laughs> i came back wearing the four or five it ain't to play games with you. It's to aim at you. Probably maim you. Not what type of? <laughs> Just drop a quick Jay-Z line for you. Bars. This is what happens when Alco- Slav goes drinking the good stuff. Hey, hold on. Hey. Old Elk. Weeded bourbon. It's delicious. Hey, man, what you envision oh, you used to Slav. get into on the south side? Sure, y'all. <laughs> Slav, you can forget to tell us about your uh, fishing trip, too. Uh, I went fishing. I caught fish. I smoked cigars. Yeah. I drank bourbon. Uh, we ate very salty foods, uh, but it was delicious. We go fly fishing up in Wisconsin every year, um, like around Cinco de Mayo, first Saturday of of May is the opener for the season. We had a great group, a um, bunch of Serbian dudes. Then my buddy from Michigan, who's Italian, uh, became part of the group, and he's been coming the last four or five years. Dude drives nine hours from Detroit to Michigan or to Wisconsin to fish with us. So uh, shout out to Phil. Uh, yeah, it was a badass trip. Hopefully get a chance to, um, to head back out there soon. Um, so thanks for holding down the Fort boys while I was gone. Uh, I'm very, very pumped to be back. My hiatus is over. Um, my, my tenure at NBC has come to an end. If, uh, if you haven't heard, but more on my future, uh, next week, you'll, you'll hear the, um, the reveal for, for what happens next in the world of Slav, but I'm excited to see what happens. Like I'm not covering the teams that I root for professionally anymore. So I'm like, Hmm, I wonder how that's going to change my fandom. I still, I watched the Sox game out on the patio tonight. I lost my shit last night when Connor Bedard, uh, and well, when the Blackhawks won the lottery to draft Connor Bedard. So Huge. off to a good start. I'm fun employed. And that's why I drink weeded bourbon. And bullshit with you guys. So follow us on Twitter, on TikTok, on Instagram, Blackout Show Chicago, on Facebook as well. Uh, Download the podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google. We'll get that uh, tonight's episode up right away. Uh, Shout out again to everybody in the chat. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We love you. We love the White Sox and hate the White Sox at the same time. For Gonzo, for Jay, for Ozzy Jr., I'm Slav Kolbekovich signing off. Thanks for listening to The Blackout Show.